This school project was just one of those ones where everything kind of came together and I guess that's why it's so successful now because we all worked together um, to make it happen. So from this, you know, all the groups that we were dealing with, it just seemed to fit. Mm. We had the perfect fit. Mm. And I think Sandra was right there in the middle, sort of holding it all together, which, mm. which worked really well. Kia ora from New Zealand and welcome to another episode in our latest podcast series, The Future of Schools, Schools of the Future. <laughs> Where we share insights and learnings from education experts and school leaders on how they're innovating, adapting and leading the way around the world during the pandemic and beyond. Well, hi, Bill. Welcome back to another episode. Welcome back. So, uh, what's been happening this week in education news? Well, uh, this week, of course, we've had um, the debates. The New Zealand election is looming. It is, it and, is. And the uh, Labour and national leaders have been sparring. Um, and from our point of view, of course, education is... is top hot of, topic. Hot, hot topic. Hot topic. So what's what's happening? Oh, Labour will change the funding system, the decile system will be going, yep. um, closing the pay gap for childcare and kindy teachers, promising 600 million <laughs> over the next four years. So, of course, it's a lolly scramble. Everyone's yeah. promising the earth. Yep. Um, National also had promised to lift the minimum pay for qualified early childhood education staff so that's 15 million over four years to make sure all schools deliver quality online learning in case of a pandemic the other good news is that they both want to support Tadeo in school so that's a positive thing yep that's awesome and also looking at classroom sizes teacher to student ratios yep, so. which again is a good thing um, and I guess the um, other great news from over the ditch is that Victoria's COVID numbers are dropping, which is yeah, really positive. News. Yeah, which is really good. They have so term hard. four. I hope they get term four. It'd be really good if they get term four. I think you know, mm. all teachers and students have probably got fatigue and cabin fever, um, and it'll be just nice for them to be back in school and having a bit of normality. So Absolutely. fingers crossed that happens. Absolutely. Um, so, something that you found out this morning, Bill, is um, what's going on in the UK. In amongst the chaos and Boris changing and flip-flopping, but they have increased international student numbers massively. Which is obviously a knock-on effect from Australia and New Zealand closing their borders, because we obviously get a lot of international students from overseas. And, and um, United States closing their borders. That's right. So, um, so uh, the other thing that I found this week which is kind of a, a bit of a good news story is um you know you always think about designers thinking their way out of problems and and they are very good at this and there's an architectural firm um in the states called som s-o-m and they have designed some pop-up classrooms so it's seven pieces that you can kind of put together with a group of you it's um and they're designed to go in school fields or um even on rooftops flat rooftops well, you know, we've always talked about flexible furniture mm. because pedagogy has changed and the, and the room has to match the pedagogy. Why not the buildings? That's right. And, you know, these are really clever buildings. They've got ventilation in them, so, you know, the airflow's better, it's healthier buildings. No CO2 build-up. No, yeah, so better concentration. Um, and that kind of feels like a good segue yes. into uh, this week's podcast. So, um, Burnware's design manager, actually, Helen Jones and I, went to uh, Freeman's Bay Primary School last year and we caught up with the principal but we also caught up with RTA Studios architect Moshin Nasser 
to talk about the school's design because him and his team designed this award-winning school. So this is like the final piece in the jigsaw? It is, it is. Yep. We've heard from the principal, where the ideas for the design came from, the vision for teaching and learning, and now the architect's point of view. So the school's won numerous awards. It has, it has won awards for colour for, as well for architecture. So mm. yeah, we hope you enjoy this story. So I imagine, you know, Sandra's obviously um, had some quite strong opinions about what she wanted from the school. Mm -hmm. And I imagine imagine she gave you quite clear kind of programmatic directives in terms of, you know, what her requirements were. But how much freedom did you have around, I guess, from a more kind of conceptual level on on the design of the school? Um, I mean, RTA in general had a had a lot of, I mean, that's I guess our role, is to design something um, that works with both the, the school's brief, um, RTA's own design um, ideas, and then obviously the, the MOE have a bunch of restrictions that, um, you know, that would maybe dictate how much freedom we have um, with the design, but I guess, um, yeah, we had quite a lot of flexibility um, with the design itself, for sure, mm. yeah. So, and that included how the spaces interacted. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, Sandra was involved the whole way through and did have very strong views on that, but it was more about um, presenting something to Sandra or the board um, or the senior management team and getting them on board with what we were doing rather than sort of um, asking them how we should do something. It was more of a collaborative approach. So this is what we think. What do you think? And generally throughout that whole process, we felt that um, they were on board with pretty much what we were doing anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, we might have tweaked a few things here and there, but um, you know, that's one of our key, um, you know, it's really important for us to be able to deliver something that the school wants. So we've always got that in the back of our minds anyway. Um, and from early meetings, you can, you can get a pretty good idea of what direction we should be heading, whether we can be really innovative or maybe we have to pull back a little bit. And you you know, with Sandra it was fantastic because she just wanted to go for it. So yeah. The ideal place. Yeah, it's a pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And what were your main design references for the project? You know, were they cultural, aesthetic, pedagogical? Um, I think there was a bit of all of that. Um, one of the key design requirements was to give the school some presence on the street, on Wellington Street, because I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the old design, but it was set quite far back. There was no des- um, presence on the street whatsoever. So that was a real important part for everyone that was involved, um, but particularly for us. So referencing um, the, the local colonial buildings, the roo- we've got a very strong roof form um, with the gable roofs, which reference fale and Māori architecture. So cultural aspects were definitely um, high on the uh, concept uh, list, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I mean, a bit of a bit of everything. Um, pedagogy drives the size of the spaces, so that's to do with more internal. But if we're talking about the buildings themselves, I would say definitely from a, I mean, RTA in general um, like to have some form of cultural reference, um, and that's all tied back to the gable roof form, really. So, it's actually, yeah. it's quite lovely coming onto the school because I, yeah. I feel like I'm entering onto a marae, yes. you know, with that really exaggerated yeah. pitched roof and, and I think even the slatted slatted the, the slats, you know, it's um, actually, and that's a really beautiful metaphor because it's almost like it is a kind of a community meeting place. Yeah, that's and, right. Um, 
Yeah. That was the idea of the covered canopy, really, is that you've got a gathering space um, and it works so well. Um, we've seen kids using it, we've seen, um, you know, before and after school parents, um, and it kind of acts as a waharoa, which is the um, entrance, mm. a gateway to a marae. So, mm. for sure, um, I think um, that strong street, street presence was probably the most important thing. Did you consult much with the wider community in the design of the project? Um, they, were, they were informed through the school and the Board of Trustees as we went through it. So um, not so much um, RTA as such, but, um, but through... I guess it was more um, informing them of what we were doing rather than um, consultation as such in terms of the design. Uh, but we, we met regularly with the Board of Trustees. Uh, Fanawata were heavily involved in the design um, with their presence here. Um, so, yeah. Mm. It's interesting because my, my dad went to the school really? when it was Napier Street School. Wow. So I had quite a close connection right from the start. But it's, I think it's the first uh, Māori immersion uh, in Auckland City as well. Right like over 30 years or something maybe wow. okay. so that was that was really important so um so they they had a very strong um presence in yeah. terms of what we were doing and yeah. and they have, were involved the whole way through um, and you might have noticed that that's the only building that's set off to an angle yes. and that's yes. for that reason right. to give that building some presence right. Right. Oh, that's really yeah interesting. um so the other thing that um, I'm interested in is obviously internally, you know, you've introduced some of those quite playful elements, For sure. but also outside in the landscaping. Yeah. I don't know if you've been involved in that part of the process as well. But what were you? Was that driven by yourselves or by the school? And what were your objectives there? Um, that was definitely driven by Sandra mm -hmm. and her um, research that she's done overseas, um, and she also visited places like the Auckland Library, which have some of those elements. So she kind of gave us some briefing images, sort of saying, I really want to try and incorporate some of these things into the design. And then she kind of left it up to us to, to design those elements. So we did our own research. Um, and then we obviously presented to her. Um, and then we had to get it over the MOE, um, because we wouldn't typically have those sorts of elements um, built into a design. Um, but we managed to do that quite successfully, I think. So a collaborative process. Um, the brief came from Sandra and we designed um, the elements. And it's all to do with her research, um, pedagogy of uh, teaching uh, movement, children's being able to move uh, vertically as well as horizontally in and out of nooks and crannies. And um, yeah, so I think it was, it was really exciting part of the project. Um, and yeah, we, we thoroughly enjoyed that. And it sounds like the kids love it. They, they love say it. Yeah. The slide's quite. <laughs> the slide was definitely an element that um, that proved to be challenging. Yeah. I think it's um, it's got the tallest drop of any internal slide in Auckland. Wow. Um, that's what. Well, from the company that built it, anyway. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, very exciting. But that was one of Sandra's key re requirements from from the beginning. Um, but you know, super exciting, and the kids love it, and um, a few health and safety uh, hurdles to jump through there, uh, but um, we managed to get there in the Soft landings. <laughs> Soft landings, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that you did some research yourself yes. around that, those sort of elements. Yes. Did, 
What other, I mean, did you work with any educational experts or other consultants outside of the school through the process? I mean, we, we obviously work with other consultants from a functionality point of view to get the buildings built. I mean, huge amount of engineers, services, structural, that side of things, acoustics, um, fire, but not so much from an um, educational perspective. I mean, I don't know if we even have any in New Zealand, any consultants that actually do that role. So we're really just relying on our previous um, projects, what we've learnt from that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's numerous, there's lots of literature out there that we can um, lean upon if we need it, um, but not so much uh, consultants. Um, we've met, um, we met Terry White through this process, which um, Sandra from the UK who wrote um, an article, and that, that's his role in the UK, is he's literally a, a consultant. But I don't know if we actually have any here in New Zealand, so um, no, we didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I that's guess. interesting. And were there any specific challenges with this kind of project? You know, particularly in working with the school or the ministry, or any knowledge gaps that you identified in the yeah. process? I mean, I think um, these MOE projects are quite challenging, just in general. From a um, there's there's so many hoops, you know, and hurdles that we have to cross from um, budget. Um, often they're pretty low budgets um, on these school builds. Um, the different client groups that we're, we're constantly trying to, um, you know, please, I suppose, or, um, you know, we've got Board of Trustees, we've got Fano, we've got the school, we've got principal, the MOE is a, you know, at the end of the day, they are our client, but um, we're also trying to provide buildings and spaces for the end users at the end of the day. So. There's lots of things to juggle there for us. So it's, it's very challenging, um, but, but these projects are super rewarding as well, and um, that's why we do it, I guess. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, this, this school project was just one of those ones where everything kind of came together, and I guess that's why it's so successful now, because we all worked together um, to make it happen. So from this, you know, all the groups that we were dealing with, it just seemed to fit. Mm. We had the perfect fit. Mm. And I think Sandra was right there in the middle, sort of holding it all together, which, mm. which worked really well. Mm. That's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that she had such a body of research behind what she was doing and such yeah. clear, clear ideas, mm. um, maybe that's something that lacks in other projects, potentially? Yeah, potentially. Sort of I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we've been to quite a few learning environment um, events and, I mean, all the principals now seem to be getting on board with um, innovative learning environments and, and doing their own research. And I think um, compared to, say, five or six years ago, it's a lot more apparent now. And um, But Sandra's definitely been one of those driving people, um, not only here, but in New Zealand, I think. Yeah. Um, but we had, I mean, I think one of the other big challenges here was to try and keep the school operational while build a new school and that's what the community was quite interested in as well so that was definitely a big challenge for us um, but um, you know we had Watson Hughes Construction on board who were fantastic as well throughout the whole process and that they helped um, ensure that was pretty smooth so she had lots of challenges but um, but nothing nothing too major I think on this job that what about the FF&E? So obviously a lot of the furniture that mm -hmm. went into the classrooms or the MLEs were, um, was re relocated from the original yes. buildings. 
how involved were you in that part of the process? Not, not so involved. I mean, we don't really get involved with the FF&E side of things too much. Um, that's generally down to the school. Um, but Sandra was quite good and, um, you know, every, every week that I'd meet with her, she would show me options that she was thinking of and um, sort of say, what do you think of this chair or these tables? Um, I'm going to buy this soft furniture for our staff. What do you think? And, you know, so mm. she would keep us involved, but we we weren't really selecting it and then presenting to the school in, in any way. Um, that was purely down to them. So we will typically, typically do any fixed furniture items. Um, the, um, the reception desk out here, for example, we design that, get it built as part of the what package we're providing, but any soft FF&E items is generally with the school. So with the built-in items, mm. so for example, if there's built-in seating or study, mm -hmm. study spaces, are you thinking about how those spaces will be interacting with loose furniture? Oh, for sure, yeah. So yeah. we've done furniture layouts right, um, okay. through the design process. Um, we've done full furniture layouts. Mm. Um, so yes, so we are thinking about how those spaces can be used um, with soft and fixed, but um, I guess we're not involved in the selection of those. Mm. So we have to we have to do that to know how many children we can fit within a space, um, how the spaces can be divided. Um, with with innovating learning environments, it's not so bad anymore because the spaces are so open, and um, and that's one of the key requirements is that they are multifunctional mm. um, and, highly and highly flexible. So the school can really use them however they like yeah, yeah. yeah so do you think I mean do you do you know much about educational furniture or do you think you need to know much about educational furniture or, or are you working quite closely with with for example the principal mm. in those furniture layouts yeah I mean there's plenty of um, books and literature and um, data sheets out there that we can refer to if we need to um, so we're well aware of, uh, there's, there, there are great options in New Zealand now for um, educational furniture. I've seen um, lots of books and data sheets from different companies. Um, so if we were, if we ever needed to, I think it wouldn't be a problem. And we, but we just work closely with the school to make sure that the furniture fits. Um, I know that Sandra did, they were using their existing furniture to see how it was all going to play out. I guess it's a little bit hard as well to know at the design stage, how the teachers might use the space. Mm. Um, they shuffle things around. So there was a lot of um, testing, I guess, mm. with existing furniture. Mm. So it's probably best that they control that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. One of the interesting things about this project also was that we used the hall for a year as teaching space while the new learning block was, was being built. So that was another great um, opportunity for them to test how those spaces might work. We consult with um, furniture companies through that process just uh, from a design point of view. So we know we're getting um, the right size table or um, the right chairs, um, stools, leaners, whatever it is um, within that furniture plan that we provide. But we're kind of aware at that point that that's probably not going to be what what gets selected necessarily at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But it gives the school an idea of what type of furniture can be used in that space. Mm -hmm. So we, we do contact um, the likes of firmware mm -hmm. to get um, expert advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. for yeah, sure. Yeah, I was going to ask you about <laughs> the service that we provide. Yeah, yeah no, we do. We yeah, do. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But I don't know how much uh, substance that has in the end result, if that makes sense, because yeah. it's probably going to be different.
Well, maybe not. I don't know. What's your philosophy on? I mean, obviously, one of the awards that you've been mm. nominated for is for use of colour. Yes. Um, in the school, and what's your philosophy on colour in a school environment, both externally and internally? And do you have any strong opinions about how it should be used? Yeah, I mean, I think colour is really important. Um, personally, I have quite a close connection. Well, you know, I just like colour in general. So I think I think it's an opportunity, especially on these types of projects where you might have low budgets and material palettes are limited. Um, you know, paint is a really uh, cost-effective way of adding interest to a building or to a space. So, but one thing that I would say is that colour needs to have, should be integrated into the concept um, of the design. It needs to have some meaning and some substance behind it. We don't just, well, we try not to just paint a wall blue because we like the colour blue. Um, so the school, uh, the colours of this school, um, I mean it's very bold and bright and there's lots of different colours and lots of different shades of a colour and they all represent the different nationalities that are here. Um, I think Freeman's Bay has over 60 nationalities just within the school. So, so there was a lot of work done around the colour selections here and um, Vanuata for example is a blue building to do, um, you know, kind of represents sort of crossing over the water. So they had a quite a big influence on the colour of their building. Um, the green stripe represents the forest, and then there's even it even goes a bit further. The um, orange building represents the sun, and the the red building represents the earth. And we've got the green building here, which is the forest, and the blue is water. So you know, there's a lot going on with colour, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, a lot. Yeah. And and you know, and then we've brought that inside as well. So you'll see there's common themes of black and yellow that run throughout. But then the blue, the red, the green uh, represented in the ortex and the red. So um, consultation with the school again, and obviously they have a big say in in what colours they want. Yeah. But we try and have some sub substance behind that. Yeah. yeah, so it's really important. That was fantastic. I, I think that kind of has a really nice ending to that design story. So, um, but if you want to know a bit more about Freeman's Bay, we also did a video tour with the principal and she showed us some of the classrooms and how the furniture works and the kids. Um, it's got an indoor slide that was really exciting. Okay. I didn't I didn't go I'll on it. Google. Uh, yeah. Um, but you can find that on our website, firmware.com, um, under our article section and just look for Freeman's Bay. But um, I will put a link. Link in the um, notes. I will put a link in the notes, I promise. Awesome, awesome. So next time we are very excited to be interviewing the author or co-author of Planning Learning Spaces. He's also an educator, consultant, thought leader, Terry White, all the way from my homeland, the UK. And... He's got so much to share on the future of schools and schools of the future. Yeah, really looking forward to that. It's going to be super exciting. So um, remember to subscribe and share this podcast with your networks. And if you'd like to feature or you have an idea of someone you would love to be a guest, then please get in touch. Awesome. So until next time, take care. Ka kite anong. And thanks for listening.